Hugh mentioned a moment ago the shooting at our sister congregation, Burnett's Chapel, and and I think we know some of the people there and, and that were involved in it. But I wanted to take a moment before we begin our lesson tonight to just remember them in silence and, and pray for them. Father, we thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us, and we thank you for the privilege that you've allowed us to be able to gather here tonight and to worship you, to study from your word, and we pray that you would bless our studies and bless the things that we do, and may everything done be pleasing to you. And Father, we pray, especially at this moment, for our sister congregation, Burnett Chapel, and we pray for, for all the, the victims of the shooting. We pray for the shooter as well. Pray, Father, that you would be with them, that you would give them comfort, and that you would heal them if it be your will. And especially for the one that, that lost her life, we pray that you would be with her family and comfort them in a special way. And Father, we know that the church faces many things throughout the world, and, and there are many congregations that uh, are facing trial, tribulation, persecution in some way or another. And we pray, Father, that you would be with them, that you would give them the strength and the understanding and everything that they need to remain faithful to you. And Father, we, we just pray for all those who are suffering in any way tonight, that you would keep them in your care. And we thank you for your Son, the one that you gave to die on the cross for us. Through him we pray. Amen. Our lesson for tonight is the conclusion of our series, Aspiring for Spiritual Greatness. Tonight's lesson is loving others. We're still studying the greatest command. Uh, as it is twofold, we looked at loving God this morning. And tonight we're going to conclude the series with loving others. In Luke 10 and verses 25 through 28, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. As we see here, Jesus was questioned by a lawyer. Well, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him, well, will you tell me? Well, what's written in the law? What's your reading of it? And he, he gives these commands. He, he quotes them. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Whenever we look at what he said, it's true. These are the greatest commands that we are given. We looked at loving God this morning, but tonight we're going to look at how we are to love our neighbor. We have to understand that the greatest command is twofold. It's all about love, really. But in addition to loving God, we also need to love our neighbor as ourselves. So, what does it mean to love our neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Why is this command greater than any other? 
Our lesson objectives for tonight are to understand the greatness of this command and to learn how to truly love others. As we look at the command, as we look at the command itself, we understand that this goes back to the Old Testament. This is not something that is completely new here. In Leviticus chapter 19, and beginning with verse 17, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17, says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and, and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. We understand that a love for others is also found in the giving of the Ten Commandments. Looking at Deuteronomy chapter 5 and beginning with verse 16 and reading through verse 21. Deuteronomy 5 and verse 16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. If one truly loves his neighbor, he will not desire to commit these sins, such as murder, adultery, stealing, lying, or coveting. If we truly love our neighbor, that's something that would not be within us. If one loves his parents, he will honor them in the way he lives and cares for them also. Those things are very important. In giving this command, along with loving God, Jesus was covering all that could be committed against God or man. He was covering all the commandments. As long as we love God, as long as we love our neighbor, then that is what God desires of us. We need to be more loving. Notice also here, in regard to the command, that loving others is given in reference to something else. We're not just told to love God and to love others, but there's, there's something here that we compare this to. We are to love our neighbor as ourself. We love others as we love self. If we love ourselves, then we take care of ourselves, right? We are to care for our physical bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20 says this. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
It's not enough just to glorify Him and how we keep our spiritual being, what is on the inside. But we also are given some responsibility as far as taking care of our bodies physically as well. And we are also to look after our spiritual bodies, our souls. That is very important. Romans chapter 12 and beginning with verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this work, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There are a couple of words that stand out in verse 2 of that. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. If we are conformed, if we are conformed to the world, and we're just like the world. We're no different. We, we act, we talk, we, we do everything just like the world would. But when we are told to be Christians, when we are given what we need to do to be Christians, we are told to be different than the world. We are to be transformed. Not conformed to the world. Not formed by the influences that surround us. But we're to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. would be different than the world. We're to overcome the world. We act different. We talk different. We are, in every essence of the word, a peculiar people. In a good way. It's good to be peculiar sometimes. But we are to be different than the world. So instead of being conformed to the world, we're to be transformed. Transformed by the word of God and our following of it. And in doing God's will, we prepare ourselves for an eternity with Him. That's exactly what we desire. At the end of this life, we look forward to an eternity with God. The only way to do so is to live our lives for Him. Matthew 7 and verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. We have to do the will of God. Not just know it, not just understand it, but we need to put it into practice. We do those things that God has commanded us. And so, we are to be different than the world. And all of that really, it forms who we are as God's people. So when we are told to love others, when we are told to love our neighbor, it's as we love ourselves. I'm going to take care of myself, not just inwardly, but also outwardly. But I'm going to make sure, above anything else, that my soul is aimed in the right direction. I'm going to make sure that I am reaching for something beyond the slide. I'm reaching for eternity with God. That is always my goal. 
And so as I love myself and as I want myself to be in heaven with God and and as I, I, I look at myself, just as I love who I am, so I am to love other people. It's a qualifier, if you will, to loving our neighbor. We also must love ourselves. So I wanted to make sure that that we tie those two together. I think that's something that that we neglect now and then. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we truly love ourselves, we need to love our neighbor in that very same way. But let's look at what loving others means to the Christian. What does it truly mean to love others and to love our neighbor? Like I did this morning with the Ten Commandments, I want to go back to the Ten Commandments and look at how the last six of those Ten Commandments really aim at loving our neighbor. It begins with honoring father and mother. There's a command that is given to children in regard to their parents. In Ephesians chapter 6, and beginning with verse 1, Ephesians 6 and verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. When we are children, when we are young, we are obedient to our parents. We're to be obedient to our parents in the Lord, for this is wrong. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times where parents tell their children to do something that is wrong. In those cases, the, the tables are turned. But as long as they do not keep us from keeping God's command, we are to be obedient to our parents. We understand that they know best. They're looking out for us. That doesn't mean they don't make mistakes, but we are to be obedient to them. And so as children, we learn obedience. We learn honor and respect. We learn how to honor and respect our parents in obedience. But honoring means more than obeying while we're young. Look at what is said in Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Matthew 15, beginning with verse 1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. I can see them saying that in that way maybe. And in verse 3, he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother. And he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. They were allowing their tradition to get in the way of honoring their parents. We honor them 
in the way that we represent their name and everything that they taught us. We honor them and how we care for them as they get older. We can honor them in many ways. It doesn't, it's not completely on obedience as little children, but it's how we carry out our lives even after that. And even to some degree, even after they're gone, we still honor them. It's similar to Romans 12 and verse 1 that we looked at earlier. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And it's similar in respect to our relationship with Christ. It's reasonable for us to think, well, He gave His life for us. It's reasonable to think that we should give our lives to Him in dedication and in faithfulness and in living how He wants us to live. And it's the same way, I think, with parents too. Because if we think of all the sacrifices that our parents have made for us, all the things that they have given for us to have the kind of life that we do, all the, the work that has gone into teaching us how to do the right thing, isn't it a reasonable thing to honor them? It, you know, we, we hear parents say it all the time, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. And that's very true. We should honor our parents. And we do so not just in, in obedience, but in how we care for them and how we live. We honor them and the things that they have taught us. Very important. And the rest of the Ten Commandments, the last five, as we look at each of those, I want to, to put all of these together as sins of the heart. Because that's exactly what they are. Murder and thievery and covetousness, lying, all of those things begin where? They begin in the heart. Let's look for a moment at the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. Let's begin reading at verse 21. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. You've heard that it was said of, to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. And just by the way, we, we look at this from the King James standpoint. It uses the word kill. I think murder is the, the more correct as far as translations are concerned. There's a, a, a way to kill somebody and, and not be guilty. Uh, maybe we didn't mean to or, or as an accident of some kind. And I think it, it presents the wrong idea, but when we plan something, when we seek to murder someone, that's what we're talking about here. You shall not murder. That's the command. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Verse 22, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. 
But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Murder has to begin somewhere. And where does it begin? It begins in the heart. It begins with anger and hatred and allowing those things to fester until they fill you. Until that's what comes out. Murder. I remember we had a member at, at Curly that I, I had a great respect for. And she, there, she made the, a very good point here. Uh, of course it says, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. She would not say the word fool. Ever. Because she wanted to keep from any of those kind of ill feelings. Even if she was reading scripture, she would skip over that word. And I respected that. Because she wanted to make sure that she was right in the sight of God. We allow ourselves to become angry maybe easier than we should. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you, one of my worst vices is driving. I just... That it brings out the bad person in me. If there's anything, that's one of them. Someone cuts you off and... Ah, just makes you mad, doesn't it? I, I saw a, a good bumper sticker. I almost bought it while we were on vacation. Love your neighbor even if they, they ride your bumper. Those are not the kind of thoughts and feelings that we should have within us, are they? They lead to something that is beyond our control. Murder, I would consider, whenever we get to that point, then we have lost control of ourselves. So let's not allow anger to get the best of us. Don't be angry. Don't hate someone. I really, really try not to use that word. And especially as a preschool teacher. I don't... Whatever the kids say, be careful with that H word. Be careful with that word. We say it way too often and way too easily. Don't allow hate to be in your life. That's not Christ-like at all. So when we look at murder... We stop it. We nip it in the bud, if you will. Whenever we become angry. Whenever we harbor those kind of ill feelings in our heart. That's when there's a problem. And the same way with adultery. Look at the, the next few verses. Matthew 5 and verse 27. You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. 
For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. And does this literally mean to take out your eye or cut off your hand? No. But what it's saying is it's more important not to lust than it is to have these members of your body. And if they're causing you to sin, whatever is causing you to sin, cut it out of your life. Don't allow those types of feelings into your mind and into your heart. Don't lust for someone else. And all of the sins that come after that also, as we've been looking at them tonight, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shouldn't lie about them or tell stories about them, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or anything that is your neighbor's, house, possessions, whatever it is, don't covet those things. They're not yours. All of those can be summed up as sins of the heart. They begin in the heart. If I seek to take something that is not mine, well, that's something that's within my heart. If I seek to lie about somebody, well, that's something that I've been har harboring in my heart. And covetousness, if I desire something that is not mine, well, it begins in the heart. And going back to Matthew chapter 15 that we looked at a moment ago, pick up with verse 8 and read through verse 11. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart, their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. And where does that come from? It comes from the heart. So, if we're going to love, others as we love ourselves. And we have to make sure that our heart is in the right place. The anger and hatred are not there. That, that lust is not there. That desiring things that are not ours. It's not in our heart. It's not within us to do those things. It's not within us to lie about somebody or to bear false witness against them. All of those things are covered if we take care of our heart. When asked about the meaning of this parable, Jesus said this in verses 16 through 19 of Matthew 15. Verse 16, So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. 
And they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, all of these things. Where do they come from? They come from within the heart. All of these are sins of the heart. And if we keep our heart pure and clean before God and loving our neighbor would at least seem to be a piece of cake, right? So if we're seeking to be more loving to other people, take care of your heart. Make sure that your heart is what God wants it to be. That everything else will take care of itself. I know it sounds easy to love people. But I'll admit it's even something that I struggle with. Loving my neighbor as myself. As much as I love myself. And as much as I desire myself to reach heaven. Loving them enough to tell them what they need to do to reach heaven. But that's exactly what we have to do greatest command love God starts with loving God and loving him enough to serve him in the way that we should and do his will and loving our neighbor as ourselves. maybe it is that somewhere along those lines you realize that your heart is not right with God maybe it's because you don't love God as you should Maybe you need to, re- to dedicate your life to Him. Maybe you've never become a Christian. You've never obeyed the gospel. And if that's your need, then we'd be glad to help you in that and to, to baptize you for the remission of your sins. You need to become a Christian. That's the start. And, and maybe it, it falls somewhere along the line. Maybe you've not been as loving toward other people as you should. And maybe there's something that needs to be corrected there. Maybe it's something that you can do between you and God. Maybe it's something that you need more help with. Maybe you need encouragement. If you need to come and rededicate your life to Him or ask for prayers on your behalf or ask for forgiveness for something that you've done, whatever your need is, if you're not loving God or you're not loving others in the way that you know that you should and you need help with following those commands, as we always do, we offer the invitation. If there's something we can do to help you, we ask that you come. Let's see how we stand and as we sing.